BSH Radio, that's right, Broad Street Hockey Radio, that was backwards. My name is Bill Matz, I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. The season is upon us, uh, there's actually regular season hockey action tonight, uh, it's Tuesday, Flyers kick off in just two days, it's, I totally forgot that those international games were regular season games. They didn't <laughs> like, tell anybody about them in not, any way. I feel like those were 0% advertised. No, I, I'm on Twitter 26 hours a day. I'm not bragging. This is actually like a cry for help. I knew nothing <laughs> about these games until they were like happening. And I happened to see someone tweeting about them. I was like, wait, what? Regular season games? Yeah. Like the preseason well, is still happening. The what are you preseason, doing? Later that day, there were preseason yeah. games. What but are we doing I, here? I did that. Ha- I feel like that happened when the Flyers were out there when we played yeah, Lasagna, and then they played <laughs> against the Blackhawks. Yeah, but that. Uh, Do you know who's playing for Lasagna this season? Michael Raffle. Michael Raffle. Oh, really? That was just a guess. Good for me. Yeah, it was yeah. I, like I'm supposed to be the guy who knows hockey on You Better You Bet. They're like, Hey, Bill, when's the season start? I'm just like, Oh yeah, next Tuesday. And, like, one of our producers is, oh, no, there's, like, regular season games, like, Duh. going on, basically. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I didn't know about it. All right. So, the regular season is basically underway. Uh, yeah, 7.30. Look at that. Puck probably dropped already. Uh, but we are here to preview the Flyers season, uh, so let's get right into it. Uh, let's start it off with the Fly by Herself, Kelly Hinkle. Speaking of previewing the season, I got to go check out the new bougie club level at the wells fargo center today with steve jaco and uh i gotta know that guy i gotta tell you i know no one wants to hear anything good about this team or organization or anything but like they did some seriously cool stuff and like i mean obviously a lot of us are never gonna see it because like you know how often do you sit club level for a flyers game if you're a normal person um but if you do get a chance to go up there it's it's super neat. Like they, they have a bar. They have tables in the bar that have a top that is ice. Oh, that's like dope. The, you can stand at a table that the the table's made of ice. They had like little hockey yeah. players on it. Like there's televisions cool. that are see through, which I didn't know was a thing that existed. 
they have heated seats. Like, it's just cool as hell. It was really neat. Um, I mean, obviously, they've been doing a lot of work on that building, and no one cares because the flyers suck, but it, it was neat to see, and if you get to see it, I think you'll probably enjoy it. I mean, it's necessary. It's It needs to be done. It was 96-97 season when it opened, right? So it's yeah, like 25 and it's, years old? It's funny. Like, every time I've sat on club level, which is always, like, a nice time because you have your own bathroom but i always thought like oh wow this is like so nice so much better than the regular seats but like seeing what they did to it 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 put that old club level like you could see how dated it was very much it It was very dated very much looking forward to the comments of like i see they're they're focused on what matters (laughs) (laughs) because the people the people who design the stadium also choose what free agents to sign it's true. Yeah. Chuck uh, Fletcher, yeah. this was actually his his doing. He's the architect. If he was less focused <laughs> on installing cool televisions on the club level, perhaps the hockey team would be better. Perhaps. Just saying. Uh, from theathletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. So we're going to get into this, I think, when we are discussing the roster uh, that was finalized technically on Monday, but realistically, we didn't find out exactly what the roster is going to look like until Tuesday. But one thing that I find really funny, and I actually, you know, we might not even really talk about it beyond this because it's such an afterthought. Artem Anisimov is still technically on his PTO. That was something I was going to ask. The Flyers are just kind of like, well, you know, if he wants to stay on the PTO, it's fine. You know, it's cool. Why not? We'll leave him on his PTO, even though he's injured and hasn't played for two weeks. And hey, maybe when he comes back, he'll be good and we'll want to keep him. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, Like, he's going to play a game with the team this year, right? Like, that's going to happen. He needs a contract, but... Yeah, yeah, someone will get hurt or something. They'll figure it out. What, does this team have Mm. good luck? Like, come on. He's going to play a game. I was just looking at it. I was like, wait, he's still here. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. It's it's definitely, it's just funny. That's all. He's going to play at some point. Yeah, I thought I saw something the other day that they weren't going to release him from his PTO, <laughs> but they also weren't signing him to a contract. Like, all right, whatever, yeah. just let him hang out. Good for him. Last but certainly not least, Stephalicious D-Step Driver. So Bill and I did an interview with John Tortorella yesterday. Uh, Just wanted to thank Bill for helping me prep for this interview. And by helping, I mean, he did 100% of the prep for the interview because I had a big weekend where Kelly Hinkle came down to Atlanta to celebrate my birthday with me. So, Bill and I did this interview. And at the end, Torts is talking about how he got involved in animal rescue with the help of his wife and I could not remember his wife's name. So I said, I was going to look it up and say it on this pod. It is Christine Tortorella. Christine Tortorella and John Tortorella have um, a foundation named after their late dog bear. Who's the name of my current alive dog bear. Um, And it's really cool. Give the interview a listen. John Tortorella talks about animals. I think for as long as he talked about hockey, a lot of really fun That's, stuff from that interview. They were definitely like, you know, we only had so much time. And he was, his all of his answers were good. It's not like he was bullshitting us or anything. But, 
like we're getting towards the time limit limit so i'm thinking okay he's gonna this is gonna get wrapped up and then steph brought up his work uh with animal rescues and suddenly he had all the time in the world uh he, he very very into this thing uh it was really cool my takeaway from the interview was uh one he and uh, he and steph are gonna be bffs and um he liked steph way more than me but he did promise <laughs> to make charlie o'connor's job as difficult as possible uh and that's that's all i can ask for from our head coach it's not like he i did hear that win. yeah it's not like the he can make them hilarious. win yeah so it was so funny <laughs> The next best thing, bust Charlie's balls. Uh, the way he was just like, oh, yeah, that fucking guy. <laughs> so, I know precisely who you mean. Yeah. The guy with the questions. <laughs> the guy with the questions. Uh, so let's get into some of the interview that Steph and I did. Uh, the thing that I think stood out to both of us the most, uh, and we talked about this in our reaction, was just the refreshing nature of his candidness where he will just say like i don't know what the hell we're gonna look like and like doesn't can't tell you what success is gonna be the words playoffs were never once uttered by him like just everything he's just very open and i said multiple times you know the first like the first step in solving a problem is acknowledging one and he openly acknowledges all of them and that's very refreshing That's kind of my favorite thing about him. Yeah. Is that, I mean, I think for a long time, like, all that we've really wanted from this team is to just, like, stop blowing smoke up our ass. Like, well, we can see with our eyeballs what is happening. It's the, they're the fourth worst team in hockey last year, and, like, they're telling us, like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, it's going to be a rebuild. It's going to be a retool. Like, and clearly they went about their offseason differently than maybe they led us to believe uh, prior to the season ending. But, like, it didn't seem as if the weight of being one of the four or five worst teams in hockey had hit them. And the new coach right away is like, yeah, we sucked last year. Yeah. And he came prepared with receipts, like, talking about how they were the, the worst team in the league last year in terms of defense. He brought up defense a lot because he knows that's a weak point. And he's not... <laughs> He also said, and I, I clipped this and put it onto the Broad Street Hockey Twitter feed, uh, he, he, he said out loud, we're not respected in this league right now. That they need to start get, getting some respect back. So they know, or at least he knows what's going on. I, I don't know if the message is getting through higher up, but Torts knows. Yeah. And also, I think he... Sorry, go ahead, Charlie. Yeah, I, I just think that, and, and to be clear, I mean, I, from the start, have been saying, this is long before Tortorella got hired, that I think John Tortorella is a good coach. And the issue I had with a potential hire is that, basically, he might be too good in that he'll make this team be mediocre, and that probably is the worst thing for this team, because they'll be too good to be bad enough to get the players they need in the draft. Um, but in terms of his coaching ability, I mean, he is, in my opinion, a, a good to very good NHL head coach. I think his track record speaks for that. Um, that said, you know, I, I do want to caution everyone from getting too hyped up about this just yeah. because, well, just because like 
this is the way it always happens with NHL coaches. Lo, a, a guy gets hired, yeah. you like him in the beginning, and then by the end, everybody wants him literally like hung. And I'm not exaggerating. Like people wanted Elaine Vino to die, and this is just what happens. Like everyone, this there's, it's very rare when a coach has a shelf life with a fan base longer than like five years. I will say. And like, yes, that is, this is the trajectory of coaches. We love Delane Vigneault. He's talking about martinis and shit. We were all for it. Like, this is the way it goes. We did shows where we were happy with Dave Hackstall at one point. Mm -hmm. Um, It's true. You can probably find him. Uh, I'm not going to. Ew. But it happened. Uh, I will say, like, it, it, one, his willingness to be honest and say things like we are horrible and just acknowledge everything that's wrong and even say, you're going to get mad at me. He said that multiple times. Like, it's just, it's not all going to be positives. At some point, you're going to be mad at me. I'm going to make mistakes. He even said that. So I, I think his honestness and openness will give him a little leeway. And so too will... Uh, everyone hating all the players in the front office, and he's, like, the sane one. Like, he's the one, like, quote-unquote outsider who's actually trying to fix this. This is how I look at it right now, and I'm the yelling, screaming fan who hates everybody. Like, he's the only sane person in the entire organization, and he's got to bang his head against the wall to get through to a bunch of people who don't know what they're doing. So everything is everyone else's fault but his in my mind at this point. Yeah, I'm absolutely going to hate him in, like, four years. Like, yeah. that's how yeah. this works. Like, that's the process. Right now, I love him. I mean, I could hate him by Friday, but right now, yeah, yeah. today we talked a lot about horses, dogs, and kitties. Today so we good. Today we're real good with John Tortorella. They One win thing- Thursday, Saturday, I'm going to have a problem with him. There we go. One thing I think that will, at least in the short term, help Tortorella in terms of how the fan base views him, and... The funny thing is, this really has nothing to do with John Tortorella. I guess it has something to do with him to a degree. But I I think people, it might be comparable. I think it might be even more so, though. Like, I think people hate Chuck Fletcher more than they hated Dave Haxel. Like, I don't know if my time covering this team, I have seen. No, you're right. I have seen someone related to the Flyers be this reviled by the fan base in real time than Chuck Fletcher right now and john tortorella in in terms of like how he speaks and what he says is like the anti chuck fletcher because chuck fletcher is very controlled he's very calm he's very businesslike you know it's very urbane like it's just it's all very like structured and proper and John Tortorella is kind of like a shoot from the hip. I'm going to curse a little bit and I'm going to just say what's on my mind. And it doesn't come off as like all planned out the way that Chuck at times. And I, I think Chuck Fletcher is a legitimately good person, but he can at times come off and not at times, actually most of the time can come off as just very rehearsed, very rehearsed. And like, I have my talking points and I'm kind of reading off a cue card and like, you know, reading prepared statements. And John Tortorella is the opposite of that. And I think because people are so sick of Fletcher at this point, that having someone come in who's kind of the opposite of the Fletcher approach, it's going to have people be like, yeah, I like this dude because I really freaking hate this dude. No, that's that's a huge part of it. And we've said so many times, like, Fletcher doesn't get another coach, you know? So this is the guy who's going to kind of be here 
And uh, I guess I did. I did get a. I did get some reactions on Twitter, like, "Oh no, is he going to save Fletcher's job?" <laughs> like, no, nothing. Nothing's yep. going to make this team good. Like, there's nothing. John Tortorella could be Jer- Jesus Christ and Herb Brooks. This team's not going to be good. You know, <laughs> there's, there's yeah. nothing he can do. Uh, they just don't have any good players. Like, I'm looking at, like, Lawton pencils in on line one right now. I like Scott Lawton a lot. If he's on your first line, you're a bad team. Uh, and, like, mm. that's that's what we're looking at at this point. Uh, I, I, I'm looking forward to at least, like, at least the coach will be entertaining. Now, he, like, he can't lace up skates and make the games any better, but we needed someone with some goddamn personality, and he has it. I do think the games are going to be better. I'm not saying the Flyers are going to win a lot of them or that they're going to do anything particularly exciting. But from what we saw last year, I do think we're going to see something that more closely resembles NHL hockey from this team. And that will at least be easier to watch. So there's that. I, yeah, I totally agree with you. It, it's going to, to resemble NHL hockey Almost, but definitely better than last year. It will look less like, you know, an under-12 Timbits team (laughs) playing on a Saturday in the GTA. It'll look more like an AHL team, which is close. We're getting there. I just think we're getting there. It's trending in the right direction. It's going to be one of two things. It's going to be either they're more entertaining on the ice because they're just not complete and total disaster or mm-hmm. John Tortorella is literally going to have a meltdown every night because this team remains such a disaster and he can't get through to them. And that will be entertaining because <laughs> you're going to see a man slowly <laughs> slipping into insanity because he's being forced to watch and coach everything that we watched all of last season. Like all of us. Yeah. Just very, yeah. it's like a slow slip down the hill and then it very quickly you're all the way down and you're fucking and that's crazy. Like, Who, who's sliding slowly? Has anybody paid attention to this podcast in the past year? It was very quick. And like, and, but that does make Tortorella relatable because like, mm-hmm. he, right away, you know, he's, he's skating everyone uh, to death, basically. And every fan is like, good. <laughs> like, he's yeah. punishing the players for us. I hope they throw yeah. up. Yeah, like uh, he's punishing the players for us, so we're on his side. It all like we're all in Tortorella's corner, and it's it's actually really funny to see. Uh, did anything else from the actual interview stand out to anybody? I'm just looking forward to covering him. I don't really care what happens on the ice. He's going to be the most entertaining and fun part of the team right now, even if he's saying this team sucks. <laughs> I, I, it's going to be fun because that's essentially what he's saying right now. But what came up for me while I was listening back and while I was listening to our reactions and also paying attention to other people's reactions, if you're John Tortorella, why did you leave a commentator and analyst job on TV to come and coach this team? Did he not realize the state of things? I, I I don't know why he would do that. That was, if we had more time, that was like a direct question Dude, I was going to ask. These guys yeah, they're love nuts. the idea the of turning this kind of shit around. Yeah. He John Tortorella like, knows that if he can fix this, he's a fucking god yeah, he's in got Philadelphia a for the rest of yeah. his life. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and, 
you know, you don't get to the level that John Tortorella got to without thinking in your head, I can definitely fix this giant fucking disaster. No, they're Just all let me exactly. Yeah. It's like, why yeah. team? Why did teams keep trading for Sam Bradford? Well, with me, like, yeah, yeah, you can make him great. Like, there's always that hubris but- with coaches. And uh, honestly, it's also the Flyers. If you do somewhat of a good job, you have a job for life. I said in our reaction, I kind of yeah. want him running the whole organization. It's not off the table. Like it's, a, it. it's it's always a possibility in this with this franchise that someone just stays forever. I guess what I can't work, I can't wrap my head around is that he didn't need a job. Like no. he had moved on from coaching, and then he went back. No, be- why? Because this is a disaster, and he thinks he can fix it. He okay. wants to so he's that. just as broken as the rest of us is what I'm hearing. I think it you don't get to that level that. without being a bit of an egomaniac. Yeah, I, I think it goes right. beyond that, though, because I do think that's part of it, that you know he sees an, an organization that he can fix. But I think there is honest... There, there is an honest admiration on John Tortorella's part for the identity of the Philadelphia Flyers. I think that that he identifies with the the passion of what the flyers used to be of this concept of you know maybe not that the broad street bullies can be recreated the way they were but just this concept of like you know the fans are tough you're scared to go into their arena uh you know the you know if you're going to play the flyers it's going to be a bloodbath like i think those are things that appeal to john tortorella and like yeah he can turn around the columbus blue jackets and that's great but the Columbus Blue Jackets don't have a history. They, they, they don't have, yeah. you know, a mystique around them the way that the Philadelphia Flyers do. And I think he loves the idea. He thinks that his personality is right for this particular franchise. And then, yeah. add, and then add in, like, the hubris of thinking, well, I can fix it because I'm yeah. just an awesome coach. You can see how this would have been an appealing job for him. Mm-hmm. And there's the, like that thought that has to, is this the one place where I can enact my vision of what a hockey team, like modern, he knows that you can't just brawl. Like he said that multiple times. It's not just line brawls that I'm trying to bring back here. That's not the goal. But can my vision of modern hockey work in this one place where they're kind of dying for that? It's just this mix of uh, uh, of his fit here that I think really brought him out of what's... Listen, every coach in every sport who gets behind the broadcast desk goes, oh my God, my life is 420% less stressful. There's... <laughs> y- you don't... Why put up with the bullshit if you don't have to? He loves it still. And he's in his 60s. He still loves it. I hope he kind of... I'm hoping he gets to have the, whatever his idea of success is, he gets it because it can only be good for the organization overall. And like, not in the short term, again, nothing fixes the short term, but I think going forward, it's, he, he's the biggest upgrade they could make to the rest of everything else. And he sets the, he's setting a foundation for once this team does have skilled players, which I can only assume will happen eventually. You know, there will be a, a pretty nice little base of a functional system and a respected coach and all that kind of nonsense that 
will perhaps, you know, allow the talented players to just plug right in and then, you know, insta good hockey team rather than having to like build it back up from nothing. One could only hope, Kelly. One I know. can only hope. <laughs> you know, once we have the skilled players, we'll see. Once we get them, yeah, we'll look see. out. It's over uh, for you, hoes. So, it's players. over for you, hoes. Uh, let's talk about the players they do have. Uh, where are we at? We're at 23. Let's take the break here, and then we can just get into all the roster shit. Let's just yeah. do it, and then we can, uh, yeah. So here's a commercial. Enjoy it. We'll be back on the other side to talk about the, uh, the roster now that it's been announced and made official, etc. All right, fam. Welcome back. We have uh, we have the roster. We we know who's going to be on this team on opening night. I guess we're still kind of wondering what the lineup is going to be because they do have a few extras. You know, when it was first announced, the first draft it was like, oh, eleven forward, seven D, huh? That's interesting. But uh, they've made some moves now, some corresponding moves since they had to, you know, wait to make all the uh, uh, LTIR designations and everything. Now we know who's going to be here. Is there any one surprise? I would I would start there. Like does any name go, "Oh yeah, really?" I, I mean, I wouldn't say there's any name that jumps out to me as a shock. I, I will say I am and maybe this is just my personal skepticism of what general managers say, um which fair considering what they presented the offseason was going to look like back in the end of January and then what it ended up being but I'm pleasantly surprised at just how many prospects made this team I thought that they would I thought that they would lose their nerve and they would you know stack this team with a few like vets that aren't that good i mean really the only vet that they put on this team aside from like deloria but we knew that i mean you give a guy a four-year contract with no trade protection like he's making the freaking team sorry guys but the only guy who like sticks out to me is like this is kind of dumb is nick sealer but beyond him like you got a lot of a lot of prospects who i have been waiting a long time to see if they're any good you know guys like wade allison guys like noah cates guys like tanner lazinski you know, Igor Zamul and Ronnie Adder did make the team. Now, whether they're actually going to stick is another story, but, like, they're here. Samuel Urson is apparently going to be the backup goalie for game one. Like, there's a lot of names on here that are really intriguing to me. And, like, I thought that when the chips were down, they might just, like, kind of get scared and throw Troy Grosnick in there because it's easier. And I will give them credit for actually going through with what Fletcher said they were going to do, which is we're going to play the kids. Like I was very surprised by the the Adderd and Zamula thing. I want to go back to the Urson thing first, and then I want to talk Adderd and Zamula. Is it easier to go with Troy Gross? Like, if you have a bad backup, but he's got a lot of experience, sure, Martin Jones, here you go with your 896 save percentage. But you know what? You've played a bunch of NHL games. Troy Grosnick's played four. Like, <laughs> is it really easier to go with him than the guy who played well that you saw? Like, I... That's the one, but whatever. Um, the defensemen, the fact that they're all here. Bear is barking, so I can't, I can't participate right now, but know that I laughed a lot at the four, four. NHL games. Like, yeah, I, like he's got four more NHL games than anyone in this room. Um, 
the Zamula and Adder thing, the fact that they're both here, that should we expect that to mean maybe for the first couple of weeks at least a rotation? Like a continued uh a continued competition for the spot next to Braun? Like is that something we should expect? So the conversations that I had today, I get the sense that Zamula might stick around. That they really like where he's at. They like that he's bulked up. And it's going to be very intriguing on Wednesday. I wouldn't totally rule out the possibility that he might end up playing on opening night. I don't think it's a certainty by any means, but like I think it could happen. If Zamula is paired with Braun on Wednesday, you know it's a legitimate possibility. I don't think that's out of the that's question. Adder, I think might be more there kind of like as an attaboy like good job you made the team but if you're you know if after two games you're still not in the starting lineup then we're going to send you down because you need to play games um i was surprised they kept both of them i thought what they were going to do is they were going to send both of them down and just have them ready for the start of the ahl season but i get the sense that they they were happier with zamula's camp than i originally thought they were and they just liked that or they liked what he did and they wanted to kind of give him a you know here good good job buddy kind of you know you made the nhl roster but i don't think adder because the thing with adder is like for him to play he would probably have to beat out braun and i don't think he beat out braun mm -hmm. like zamula and sealer's easier because like look i know they like nick sealer's attitude nick sealer's a good dude he's not a very good defenseman so like it's a little bit harder to legitimately make the case that Nick Sealer is better than Igor Zamola, flaws and all, considering the fact that he's young. Whereas Braun's still a perfectly solid third pair defenseman. It wasn't his fault that they used him as a number one right-handed defenseman last year because they clearly don't trust Rasmus Line to be a top pair defenseman, and Ryan Ellis was, you know, missing. Um, so Braun's still pretty good. I get why they're like, yeah, Adder's not as good as Braun. I get the at least at this point. I get that. Um but I think Zamola could be in the mix, at least to start the year. I've heard from different people within the organization that are not mm, all of them involved in the hockey side about how much um, Zamola has bulked up. So I, I think that they're really excited about Zamola. Um, and we can't just accept another defenseman who's poor defensively. I'm very sorry, Nick Sealer. We already have too many. I just, you know, Charlie brought up the idea that we saw a lot of top pair Justin Braun last year, uh, you know, with, with Ellis out, and they don't like Ristolainen in that spot. Um, you know, the, Provorov, D'Angelo, penciled in as the top pair, and we've acknowledged uh, repeatedly that there's a world in which they work together. Um, you know, there's just as much or more of a world in which it's a disaster, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> looking at Tony D'Angelo's career, last year he played 64 games. Uh, the prior year, obviously, everything that happened with the Rangers, he only played six. Uh, he played 68 in 29-20. Of course, that's the year that gets shut down. So that's probably basically all the Rangers games that year. Before that, 61. And then he'd never cracked 40. 32 and 39. Tony D'Angelo is in all likelihood going to miss time this year because he's missed time in every season of his career. Are we going to see fucking Justin Braun up there again with Provorov? 
Hell yeah, baby. I'm sure that we'll see some games. I mean, the thing is, like, coaches changed the defensive pairing. I know, I know. It's so, yeah, I'm sure there will be a couple games, at least, even with even if D'Angelo is healthy, where they throw Braun up there. Heck, there might be a couple games where they throw Rister. There might even be a couple games where they throw Ronnie Adder up there if he gets called up. He did play some at the end of the year with Ivan Provorov. Like, they did take a look at that. So, that- coaches like to shake things up sometimes. So, yeah, but I mean— I think everyone in the organization knows, or at least I think damn well better, that Justin Braun on the first pair should be a last resort because he's just not the— He wasn't that guy last year, and I got news for you, he ain't getting any younger. <laughs> That's where I wanted to go with it when you brought up Adderd. Like, thinking about him as a righty, would they—do you think it would be more likely just to bump Braun up or to say Adder, you know, two, three games into the year gets sent down because he's not in the lineup. You bring him up and automatically he's on, he's playing 20 a game next to Proveroff. I mean, it would be bold. I can't say I would hate it, but I mean, no, it would be bold. What they would, should do. Yeah, I mean, it would go with the whole we're playing the kids thing, definitely. I, I would understand why they wouldn't. You don't want to th- totally throw the kid to the wolves, but in all honesty, like, look, we know what Rasmus Linen is, and it's not a good NHL defenseman. And Justin Braun, at one point, could do that, and now he can't. So, sure, give you know, give the kid a shot who might be able to do that. I gotta say, since you brought up Ristolainen, um, the interview with Tortorella yesterday, I asked him what it means to be hard to play against, and he immediately said, "You know, it's not fighting." It's not the big hits into the boards. And yes. then, like, went on, went and gave, like, a good answer. Listen to it. It's a good interview. Uh, but, man, they went out and got Rasmus Ristolainen because the GM believes he makes you hard to play against. And then the coach of the team basically said, yeah, that, that one thing that he does, that's not what hard to play against is. Now, like, mm-hmm. I'm connecting a lot of dots. He didn't say these things directly. Uh, but... It just struck me as very funny because Charlie just said, everyone knows what Ristolainen is, and it's not a very good NHL well, defense. Well, not everyone. Maybe most yeah. people who listen to this podcast. Clearly, everyone, a lot of NHL but, people do not know what Ristolainen right, is because the, they keep the giving Flyers him money. The Flyers front office does not know that. <laughs> yeah, the Flyers front office and maybe one guy in Montreal who may or may not still be there think uh, Rasmus Ristolainen is, is good, and everyone else doesn't. You know, that's basically, yeah. that's basically what it is. Um, these forwards, who in the fuck is Hayden Hodgson? Like, why, why are we, why? <laughs> I asked Kelly that same question Why are we doing a Hayden Hodgson? Yeah. I've decided, I've decided what we're going to do here for both our sanity and, and for funsies is we're going to turn Hayden Hodgson into this year's uh, Jerry Mayhew. That's what we're doing. Oh, are we doing it? That's what we're doing. Score the, winter, the winter of Hodge? Yeah, let's no. go, baby. Hayden no. Hodgson, get on board. No one cared about young Gerald until he scored the goals. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm willing it. I'm, I'm trying to manifest. So I, I want to go into the Hayden Hodgson thing because Good. the Hayden Hodgson thing is something that it, it's, it's concerning to me on a few levels. And I will acknowledge that part of the reasons why it's concerning to me is because I personally have never been impressed by Hayden Hodgson. So to give you the Hayden Hodgson background, Hayden Hodgson was a career ECHLer, basically. 
He spent a few years in the ECHL. He wasn't much of anything. Last year, he ended up on the Phantoms. And basically, I mean, I didn't watch. I think I watched like a few a few periods of Phantoms games last year. Like I was slammed with covering the Flyers. But apparently he was pretty good for the Phantoms. He was quite good, one might even say. And in the process, in the process, he basically made a massive believer out of Ian LaPerriere. And Ian LaPerriere began to start advocating heavily for Hayden Hodson to get signed to an NHL contract and also to be called up because Ian LaPerriere strongly believed that he had an NHL future. So eventually they signed him when it looked like there were a couple other teams that had interest in signing him to an NHL contract. And then they called him up. He got a few games, whatever. Now, the fascinating part about this for me is that look, I watched basically every practice. I watched basically every game in preseason. At not one point during camp did Hayden Hodgson jump out to me as someone who was playing especially well. Everyone else that made this team that is young had moments where I was like, okay, this guy's making a case. Hayden Hodgson not once jumped out at me as like, this guy needs to be on this team. And John Tortorella was straight up asked about Hayden Hodgson. This was, I believe, on Sunday. So this was before the roster was, was finalized. He was asked, what did you, uh, you know, basically, what did you think about Hayden Hodgson's camp? This was his answer. Yeah, I've heard a lot about him. He's had an okay camp. I'm not going to base everything on a camp. He's a big body. He's a willing guy. He's certainly someone that there was a lot of people in the organization that think very highly of him. I need to see more of him. He didn't have a camp like Cates, as in Noah Cates, kind of a different player, but I didn't notice him much. That, but that might work itself out. This tells me that basically Hayden Hodson is here because people in the front office really like Hayden Hodson. It's mm-hmm. not because John Tortorella saw anything special about Hayden Hodson. And that concerns me. That's because, insane. like, I get it that Hayden Hodgson, he's no longer waiver exempt. So that does play into these decisions where front office people don't want to lose certain guys by trying to send them down and whatnot. But I wonder if Hayden Hodgson, not that he's being forced on a John Tortorella, because I think if John Tortorella straight up said, I don't want this guy, he sucks, they would have sent him down. But I don't have a lot of faith at the moment in the front office's ability to evaluate players. And the fact that Tortorella, his evaluation of this guy is lining up with my evaluation of this guy, yet he's still here, like, that concerns me. You, you, you're saying that you think that this front office is not very good at putting together an NHL roster in 2022. Now, Interesting. to be fair to Mr. To Hodgson, fair. Um, one, I can't find his middle name anywhere. So he very well could be Triple H, uh, and I'm, <laughs> under, I'm operating under that assumption, and I'm going to Let's call just him do it. that. Yeah, like uh, it. until proven otherwise. Second, he did play six NHL games for the Flyers last year, and he had a goal and two assists, so half a point a game in those six games. But Charlie, you said, well, he is waiver exempt, and I fucking lost it laughing because he's 26 years old and he's played six NHL games, and they were for a bottom four team last year. Well, he oh he, my he god, a, we he, lost Hayden Hodgson. Yeah, he isn't if waiver exempt. Yeah, yeah, but but <laughs> oh, they they they're real yes. scared. Like one thing you you I I noticed this because obviously I was covering the team. 
every time in the offseason that like Chuck Fletcher or Brent Flair was like listing off the young players they were excited about, they always brought up Hayden Hodson. Like oh they really God. think this guy is real good. And it's wild to me because like I just don't see it. I don't see it. And maybe he's not maybe, even maybe a I'm young wrong. player. Maybe I'm wrong. Like he's he's 26. Like he's not coming into himself. Like <laughs> I and like the idea they, of losing him for nothing, like, what, 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 what would you get with him? Yeah. Like, like if they, you weren't losing him for nothing, what would you get? They really think that they've Seven? unearthed this diamond in the rough. And again, I mean, you know what? And again, this goes back to, again, my personal biases. I honestly, and I look, I know everyone thinks very low of, of Chuck Fletcher and Brent Flair. I would, or particularly Chuck Fletcher, I don't think people are, like, especially angry at Brent Flair. He just happens to be Chuck's guy, so, you know, blow it up with Chuck. But... If they were the only ones who were like, yeah, we really like this guy, I would be a little bit more open to the possibility that, hey, maybe he's good. The fact that it's Le Perrier who is really, really pushing him, like, I don't trust. Because from what I understand, like, Le Perrier, there are, there are skilled guys that he coached last year, like, good prospects that he just, like, didn't like. But he loved it's Hayden. Almost like he, he loved Hayden Hodson. Fucking sucks at his job. You have to listen to Ian LaPerriere with all the success his NHL penalty kill and the Phantoms have had under Ian LaPerriere. Yeah. You must listen to the man. Oh right, he's obviously he's awful genius. at this. Like, uh, <laughs> I mean, like the the and fact I that Ian Hodgson could end up being good. He could end up being yeah, a nice could. fourth liner. He won't. No. I, I he mean, could. he could be it's Michael Roffle. He could be Michael Roffle. Bad Michael That's Ruffle. best case scenario. All right, bad Michael Roffle. Okay. Not 21 right, goal, Michael Roffle. Okay, okay. Solid bad. fourth liner, Michael Roffle. All right, fair. Maybe. But, I mean, that's not a guy that you... Who cares? Prioritize. Like, that's just a guy. That's a non-playing character. Like, that's that could be team. anyone. Oh, I mean, yeah, fair. But it, it is a little bit um, concerning <laughs> that Ian LaPerriere has such a an outsized influence over the direction of this yes. front yes. office. This guy's going to yes. be the GM. I, <laughs> oh, no, okay. shut your whore mouth. I could totally No, happen. so so <laughs> this is this is another another check against Chuck Fletcher because the man takes advice from people who are completely inept. And then he he follows that advice. Like my dude. My dude. I understand that you can reach some type of level in your career by being a yes man, but you cannot run a hockey team by listening to other yes men. You can't do it. It's just that the, the collaborating is probably a good idea on its face, but the issue is that he seems to take every single person's input as like equal and good. Like, well, if Ian LaPerriere the terrible coach of our AHL hockey team said a thing, I will give that equal weight as, uh, I don't know, the Tampa Bay Lightning evaluating. Like, I don't know. It's just like he doesn't, he doesn't seem to weight the opinions of these people in any way that makes sense. Yeah, I just, I just think that, like, okay, so another thing that I heard, and this is something that I haven't really confirmed, so take it with a grain of salt. I had heard that Elon Perrier was not particularly impressed with Cam York when he was down in the AHL. And this is kind of one of those things where it's oh like, like, I understand John Tortorella is looking at it like, I'm going to take the input of the people who have seen these guys more. I'm new here. I'm just learning these players. But like, like 
if you're taking the input of a guy who is really, really high on Hayden Hodson and doesn't think Cam York has, like, the right attitude to succeed at the NHL level, like, are we really championing the right people here? Nope. Like, is, is this really the guy you want in the AHL running your team? Nope. I realize. I mean, we already know our answer's yeah. no. Well, I will say, like, obviously none of us believe in these coaching or evaluating abilities of Ian LaPerriere. Uh, and the fact that we can put it next to the Hodgson thing and be like, well, this is the kind of player he does like, and then Cam York is the kind of player he doesn't. Okay, I understand. Has anybody been particularly impressed with Cam York, though? Like, anyone Not this here? preseason. That's fair. No, I thought, he, I I thought mean, he was pretty good last year. I thought he was pretty good last as a rookie. Year, last year, I thought he, he looked was good. like a, a guy who could play in the NHL, but nothing else. Fair. I mean, considering, considering how many NHL games he had played when they plopped him on the top line with Ivan Provorov, I thought he looked pretty good. All things considered, I wasn't upset with what I saw from him for a guy that was in his first season. Okay. He looked like absolute dog shit this preseason. I don't know what the deal there was, but it absolutely was not the Cam York that we saw last season. And, and if we had not seen that Cam York last season... I don't think there would be any conversation amongst the fan base about whether or not he should have been on the team. Like, based on this preseason, no. You absolutely didn't make the team, bud. You looked like shit. I agree. I agree. But also, I just don't understand what the point of trying to put together the best roster is does that make sense i'm not wording it correctly but like this team isn't going anywhere why not let him fuck up in the nhl oh we talked about uh a week or two ago tortorella's credibility and that's the thing he has going for him right now he comes in and says all this shit and then backs it up the minute you play like cam york and make the team you're getting tuned the fuck out like okay, yeah, that's an excellent and then, point. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, everyone's got to everyone's got to earn their ice time. Did you see this fucking guy? Like, that's the that's what it is. I would yeah. love for Cam York to have made this team and learn to play at the NHL level because that's the level he's got to learn to play at. But with the new coach and with trying to restore accountability at every level in this organization that severely lacks it, you can't half-ass those sorts of decisions. So I get it. Yeah, the, the best yeah, argument... Yeah, no, you're totally right. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, yep, yeah. absolutely. The, the best argument I've heard, and I think it's, it's a compelling argument, and this is going to swing back to the point I was making before, the best argument I've heard against sending down Cam York was essentially that, yes, I think John Tortorella was right to be unimpressed by the way Cam York played in preseason and at camp. Yes, he is right to want Cam York to be more aggressive offensively, to take charge with the puck, to move the puck up ice, to do more offensively aggressive things. All of this sounds great. The problem is that then you are going to do that. You're going to send him down to the AHL to be coached by Ian LaPerriere, who (laughs) is telling him to play a simple game and not to make the tough play and to make the easy read. And like this is straight up. This was these were straight up quotes for me and Laperriere at the start of rookie camp about what Cam York needs to do to make the NHL level. So like this isn't people making stuff up. I just worry with Laperriere. And like, look, I've expressed my skepticism of Ian Laperriere's coaching ability 
in general. But specifically in this situation, not like in this situation with Cam York, but in this situation where the Flyers are at right now, we've said it tons of times. What the Flyers need to do is they need high-end talent. They need to develop skill guys. They This is a team with a bunch of middle-of-the-lineup guys, a bunch of middle sixers and second-pair defensemen. They need guys who move the needle, who are impact guys. And with Ian LaPerriere, I get the sense that he's the type of coach that gravitates towards, and it makes sense considering the type of player he was. Yeah, he's yeah, the type of coach yeah. who gravitates towards the Hayden Hodsons. You know, and, and look, I like Noah Cates a lot. The Noah Cateses, the Tanner Lazinskis, and I like those guys more than Hayden Hodson. But the fact of the matter is, neither of those guys, even if they hit their ceiling, are going to be first liners. That's just not who they are. Well, he gets frustrated with the Cam Yorks and the Morgan Frosts and the Wade Allisons. And it's like, shouldn't you have a. If, if, if your big deficiency at the NHL level is a lack of impact scores and guys that can really take over a game, why is your AHL coach a guy? who seems to clash with those types of guys. It doesn't actually make any sense to me. And that's... Like, he's got to go. Like, he's got to go with the rest of them. It, it just speaks to the total ineptitude of this organization. Like, if he's saying these things months ago about Cam York, and the thing that the head coach of the team, who has a Stanley Cup ring, wants out of Cam York, is aggressiveness. And the thing that the team needs is a player who can make a dynamic play or two every now and then. Yeah. And Cam you and or and Ian LaPerriere is telling Cam York off the glass and out. Like how is there no organizational communication here? Like stop telling our players to do shit that doesn't win at the NHL level. Like how haven't because they had this conversation with him? The front office is also filled with dudes who think that you need to make the safe read and go off the glass and out and and work yep. your ass off and maybe don't be such a showboat and all that kind of old hockey man bullshit. Like, that's everybody in the organization, with the exception maybe of John Tortorella, who seems to not have that particular mindset as deeply as the rest of them. But, I mean, of course they think Ian LaPerriere is right because they think so too. Lappy, yeah. Lappy is the dinosaur we were afraid they were gonna hire in a Tortorella or a Tocket or something. Like, yeah, yeah. This guy, uh, everything I hear about him is worse than the thing before that. And you know what? He was hell of a warrior in the NHL. What a career! I don't give. Yeah, I, shit. it's like you can't be making decisions about this organization. You're not good at it. You don't know what yeah. you're doing. No, and. Uh, the idea that playing in the NHL means that, and I mean, you see this from fans all the time, the idea that having played in the NHL, that alone, means that your evaluation of NHL hockey players is unimpeachable. Like, it can't be argued with it. What do you know, Bill Metz? You didn't play in the NHL. Ian LaPerriere did. He knows better. Like, no, he doesn't. He's fucking stupid. And he's Why? making <laughs> stupid decisions, and he's going to fuck up the young players that we have that might actually be good. Because if you beat it out of them for long enough, by the time you call them up, it's going to be gone. Like, they're going to have lost it. Yeah, it, it's, it's a legitimate concern. As I said, that was the best case I heard against sending York down. Yeah. It was less that Tortorella was wrong to do it. It was more like, do we really want Cam York to be reunited with, uh, with Ian LaPerriere? And, I didn't but that, think but of it, it speaks, that way. It's a good, yeah. But it speaks to a deeper problem here, which is, 
what are we doing with the AHL team? There was no right decision in terms to of make. In terms of ter- well, look, <laughs> look, and I, I trade. I feel the funny thing is, like, I feel bad about this because, like, Ian LaPerre is genuinely a good dude. Like, there's a reason why he keeps his job. Everybody yeah. freaking likes him. He's a very likable guy who just wants to be in hockey and wants to succeed. And I respect the shit. I respect the shit out of that. The thing is, is like, since he's became a coach, since his playing career has ended. There's not one shred of tangible evidence for the fans or outsiders to see that tells us that he's actually good at this. Like maybe you could argue that he's a good develop was he he was a good development coach. That said, who has really exceeded expectations by this development team? Like no he was one. objectively a bad penalty kill coach because the penalty kill was always bad Horrible. on him. Oh like, my God, so bad. Like, I just, I don't understand what he's done. And now you could argue, honestly, you could make a strong argument that given the place the Flyers are in right now in terms of the fact the NHL team is bad, they need to, they, they need to rebuild in some sense, regardless of what word you use, they need to rebuild. You could argue that the coach of the AHL team is like one of the five most important people in the organization right now because if they're going to get better, it's going to have well, to be because they developed young talent. And like, what has he done as a coach non-player to tell you that he is ready to succeed in that important of a role for this organization? I just don't, I don't see any concrete evidence. Well, you see, he took so a puck to the face. <laughs> right. Twice. So. You know, uh, the only thing I have to add is you can be a really good person and also be shit at your job. And, and those things are not mutually exclusive. Like you can also be a really shitty person and be shit at your job. That's I why mean, you got to be a, a shitty person and good at your job. Like, sure. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Like, look at us. <laughs> <We're great. laughs> it took a second for that to register in my brain. <laughs> Amazing. That was that was a good burn. I'll grant you that. It was, you know, <laughs> Charlie's like genuinely nice. Seriously, like the sweetest boy. But actually, he's a monster. But he's yeah. very good at his job. Have you um, seen the Dahmer show? It's a lot like that. <laughs> oh, wow. come on. Wow. That's too far. Char- Everyone listening knows Charlie doesn't fucking eat people. <laughs> I told you, we're just going to watch this Jimmy Eat World concert and then you can leave. Yeah. I mean, what are you guys like envisioning like this being like straight out of American Psycho? Like I'm explaining the like the merits of Jimmy World as I break the axe out. <laughs> people who I'm watch uncomfortable. The, people who watch the Dahmer show will get my my yes. stupid joke from just yeah. then. I was gonna say a thing and now I forget what it was. That was too funny. Well, so we okay. We so were we... talking about Ian Laperriere. Oh, he stinks. Don't like him. Yeah. So let's let's actually go into some of the players who made the team. We talked a lot yeah. about Hayden Hodson. So we're going to get to see Noah Cates, who, I mean, Psyched. Noah Cates, Sean Tortorella straight up said on Sunday before the rosters were even officially announced. This was like a good 24 hours before. And he was straight up like, look, he was the best player in camp. Like, period. That includes the vets. He was the best player in camp. And like, yeah, he's making this team. Don't worry about it. Like, Noah Cates is pretty exciting, and now they're trying him at center. They want to see if he can be a center. It's interesting. It's, I- I've loved Noah Cates since his very first rookie camp, and I'm so excited to see him play multiple games in the NHL. I was really pulling for, for Jackson to make it 
so that they, we could have brothers again. Uh, I miss. <laughs> we already did the brother thing, and it only worked it when work. one of them wasn't here. So let's. I don't. I don't want to do the brother thing Luke anymore. Luke bullied Braden. It wasn't until Luke left that Braden broke out. Uh, true. See, yeah. we just we we don't need that dynamic anymore. I, I'm real excited to see Kate's at center. I think that's a cool experiment. Like that's yeah. all right. This he's a good player. Let's see if he can do even more. Like that's a fun idea. Uh, you know, we saw them try. Was it Faraby at center Farabee for some time last year? Last year? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's you know maybe he can do it. Maybe he can't. But if there's ever a year to try shit, it's this year. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. their number two center might not be able to play center in the NHL. So what the hell's the difference uh, at this point? <laughs> like, uh, I'm glad Luzinski's right getting a shot. Oh, it's Morgan Frost, isn't Mor- it? Yes. Morgan Frost. What Breakout candidate, Morgan oh Frost. Oh my God, what Hell is this yeah. team? We're missing like a, f- a full line. Where's that first line? It's missing. Yeah. It's gone. It's non-existent. <laughs> It doesn't exist, and it doesn't exist on our on our injury list either. Well, Couture, I mean, kind of. Couture is there. That's about it. Oh my God, this team! We're in for one hell of a season, folks. But I'm still excited about about the the season starting. I mean, I'm intrigued. I'm excited. We're going as fans. It's going to be fun. It's just gonna. Their record is gonna be so bad. It's it's a team that I mean look we've said this from the start it's a team that lacks high end talent now mm-hmm. the interesting thing is going to be like which of these young players steps up and establishes himself as a viable NHL like I'm excited to see Noah Cates I I've liked yeah. Noah Cates for a while I'm excited to see what he can do his his underlying number numbers were stellar in his stint last season with the team. He passed the eye test for me. He looked like a quicker Oscar Lindblom to me. I'm excited to see what he can do. I'm excited to finally see Wade Allison because I've been waiting to see this guy for so long. He kept getting hurt, kept getting bad luck. And now, as long as he doesn't like trip in practice over the next two days and break Uh, his leg, like uh. we're going to get to see him. And he's a real fun, like he's the kind of guy who... I don't think people fully understand how much fun he is to watch. He is very Scott Hartnellish. He is a fun player. He, he's he got cut that, his hair though. That was disrespectful. That was a bummer to me. Yeah, he's got that. I think Scott Hartnell's a good comparison. Uh, he's what you want in a power forward. Looks like he can score a little bit, and he's not afraid to uh, to be physical. Uh, it, it's just crossing the fingers on Wade Allison. Like he's just had such bad luck. Just get just get a healthy year in. Like, show us you can do it. Show yourself you can do it, and it'll be like you'll gain confidence off of just not getting hurt. You'll be a more confident player if you just believe that you can go out there and not get injured. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him. There are guys in this lineup. While I ex- I hope honestly they go 082 and 0. Um, there are guys in this lineup I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, none of them play defense, though. I guess if it's Adder, I just... I like Adder. I, I like Adder's upside. I think Adder could be a, a real unique, useful defenseman. I don't think he's like a first-pair guy, but I think he could be no. a real real neat defenseman. And I like I, York, I, I like York too. I, I, I mean, York will be back, and I like, I like to see what yeah. he can do, but obviously he's not going to start out the season with the team. I am interested to see Zamula, just because there was so much talk about him you know, a couple of years ago, but it was always too skinny, too skinny, too skinny, and now he's not. 
So I'm kind of interested to see what he might look like. Yeah. Zamora's a good boy. I mean, I don't, I don't think he's going to be great or anything, but I am interested to see how he, how he hangs. I still think he's too skinny, but not dangerously skinny <laughs> That's anymore. That's fair. That is completely fair. He's not, he's not like going to break in half <laughs> if he skates a little bit too fast anymore. His very first camp, his first preseason, I realized like he was young and he was little. He was physical. Like he threw the body around in that first preseason. People were like, does he have a chance? And it was like, no, he doesn't. But, you know, he's going to stick around a little longer because he has been playing well. I want to see Zamula get a chance uh, to play like multiple games in a row. Yeah, uh, I agree. He's, he's, he's a guy with some upside. Zamula's in. Tr- no, I have. Go ahead, go ahead, Seth. Sorry, go ahead. No, let's keep talking about Zamula, then I'll ask my question. Okay. I, I, the, th- the thing I like about Zamula is that, you know, he has a he has a, an ability to slow down the game, and sometimes it can get him into trouble because it, it, he needs to play maybe a little bit more urgent, but I do like that ability he has to kind of see plays before they develop. And I think it could make him... I don't know if he's ever going to score a lot at the NHL level because I don't know if he's that dynamic. But I do think he's the kind of guy that can help you move up ice. And he's just a smart player to me. He's a legitimately smart player. If, if all works out for him, he could be like a good second pair guy, like a number three. And that'd be, that'd be awesome. You know, get, get another top four defenseman. Awesome. Now, Adderd. Is he someone that we were really low on when he was drafted? No. No, I so Adder's stories. Who am I confused? I'm confusing him with someone else What's and I can't name? remember. The the guy that's not from here. Oh, Yenning? Yeah, Yenning. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly who I'm mixing him up with. That's thank you, Kelly, yeah. for being inside my brain. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah, Yenning was the guy. And I mean he's he had one good rookie game, but I, I don't really see I think his ceiling is like what Robert Haig ended up becoming, and, like, that's not too exciting. No, Adder was interesting because he he got passed over twice in the NHL draft. He got drafted late by the Flyers, but he scored, like, 30 goals in the USHL the year he the year the Flyers finally nabbed him, and he just looks like kind of like a late bloomer type. And he's really only gotten better. Like, I I see... I don't know. He's He's just such a fascinating player to me because he's so... There aren't many guys like him because he's six foot three. He's big. He's willing to hit, but he's not a stay at home defenseman. He's like, like he he's offensively. He's kind of like I, I almost. <laughs> it's, it's a funny comparison to make. He's almost like, like you know how we've said in the past that what people what what the Flyers refuse to understand about Rasmus Line is that yes. he's not actually good defensively that he's I'm good so offensively happy this is what you're saying <laughs> well Adderd is like he is wrist he is wrist and if a and I mean Garrett like this is my if I'm assuming that Adder pans out if Adder pans out he would be Ristolainen if Ristolainen was good but also what Ristolainen actually is not what people think he is that would be that would be pretty good, to be quite honest with you. He's not yeah. as obsessed with hitting as Risto is, yeah. which is probably why people don't like love him as much as they do Risto. But like Adder kind of like his his style of play, I've I've heard people throw this comparison out there too, and it's a fascinating one. His style of play, and obviously he's not nearly as dynamic. He doesn't have nearly the kind of, you know, like ridiculous shot in terms of how like you know, wow, you see it. It's like, holy shit. There's some Shane Gosses bear in his game and that like, Uh-oh. Adder always thinks he can get the puck. 
Like, he's aggressive in the neutral zone. He's aggressive with his gaps. He just chases down players. And there, there is, there's a little bit of ghost to his game. He's, he's just, he's a fat, but like obviously Ghost was five foot ten and skinny as hell, and Adder is six foot three and huge. He's just an intriguing. He's a really intriguing I, I player. I like a me. big beefy boy who skates well and scores goals. I'm into that. You heard it here first, folks. Get your Ronnie Adder uh, Norris Trophy bets. <laughs> yeah, put him in now. Uh, no, it's it, there are guys like there will be reasons to watch this team Mm -hmm. from a future perspective, even though it's, they seem to be short, you know, on the high end prospects and kids, you know, kids you really want to see you, you you buy a ticket to go watch, but they could have the making of pieces, you know, the actual, Mm -hmm. you know what they remind me of? It's that kind of where the Phillies were, you know, in like the mid 2010s, where, like, it was over. They were not competing. And they didn't have any of those prospects where you're just like, holy shit, these guys are going to be awesome. But a lot of it was trying to figure out, like, okay, is Reese Hoskins a piece? Is yeah. Cesar Hernandez a piece? Like, who, who is, is, is Michael Franco a piece? Or is he someone who's just not that good? And you're trying to figure out, like, okay, who can be part of the next? Like, I mean, Aaron Nola. Like, yeah, he was a first-round pick. But at the time... When he came up, he was just supposed to be like a number three. He was like a good high floor guy who then ended up exceeding expectations. Like this to me is like these guys are guys you need to figure out who you have. Because yeah, none of these guys are going to be your superstar. You might have to go out and sign a Bryce Harper type or whatever in three, four years. But some of these guys could be pieces of the next great Flyers team. You just need to figure out which ones are worthwhile and which ones are dogs. Okay, but who is our who is our bum? Because I'm obsessed with that guy. <laughs> who is our? He's my bum? favorite Phillies. Yeah. Really? Okay. I respect I'm obsessed that. With him. I went to one Phillies game. The first Phillies game I went to this year. I said to myself, "I like him. He wears Claude Giroux's number, and he has a mullet." And then I found out that he said that he hates it here, and that's hilarious. And then the whole thing with the celebration. He seems like a very funny man. That's the. I know the, he's like an he's one of the anti-vaxxers, but honestly, it's like twenty five percent of baseball players. Like, what do you want 25. me to do here? He's funny. I don't know. He's funny. <laughs> the him holding the Miller light is the background of my phone right oh, now. Oh, it's so um, good. That's such a good picture. It is. Looks good. like a is, lunatic. Is Hart gonna play on opening night? Oh yeah, no, Hart's playing. The only guy who I'm legitimately concerned might not play is Atkinson. Um. The only just be- team who can score. Well, he hasn't. Wait, he, he hasn't been around. Hart's been practicing for like literally since like. Is he with like, Late last week. <laughs> Hart's fine. He's gonna play. There's no concern in my mind about Carter Hart. Cam Atkins though has kind of been MIA. He didn't play in a single preseason game. He hasn't been practicing. He he went off apparently to Columbus over the weekend into early this week to deal with a family matter which like sure okay i'm not going to question that but then tortorella said like he went to work with a guy who he worked with a lot in columbus to like like fix his body or something and it was just like all right like what's actually going on here and again part of this is like we all have like ryan ellis syndrome where it's like if you're not telling us about something is there something more serious going on here but tortorella is still claiming that he's optimistic Cam Atkinson will play on Thursday, that Cam Atkinson will be back, 
at uh, you know at practice on Wednesday. So when you're listening to this, I guess we'll find out if that's true. But he's the only one who I look at, and I'm like, I don't know if he's going to play or not. Yeah, but who comes out if it's he does? It's not even – who comes out? Hopefully Hodson. Mm. Have to be, right? Fingers crossed, man. I mean, if they, like, benched Wade Allison and kept Hayden Hodson in the lineup, oh, I'd, be per- I'd be pretty ticked off, not going to lie. It's not even that we have Ryan Ellis syndrome. It's also Nolan Patrick. It's also like there's a long history of this organization not being truthful with us about how bad injuries are. That's fair. When I hear he's somewhere where someone's working on his body, I'm like, oh, so it's a nipples to knees injury. This is this is no one thing. It's a this is some sort of multi layered uh, the whole middle yeah. <laughs> nips to knees. Yeah. Also, see what I think. When people say he's going somewhere to have someone special work on his body, I'm like, oh, he's going to a witch doctor. That's cool. In Ohio? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they might as well try it at this point. You know, why not? Have, bring them to Philly if it works. Western medicine doesn't appear to work on Philadelphia Flyers play. <laughs> You're not wrong, though. <laughs> well, I mean, well, hey, I mean, you know, they got, the, they got Ian from Australia, right? So clearly they've given up they on Western sure, medicine. Well, they sure as fuck did. <laughs> Not only was he practicing and living in Australia, but he's also from Ireland. So, like, he's super not from here. The Flyers could not have infected him yet. It probably spreads quick. Um, Oh, it definitely does. It's a disease, and it's deep-rooted. Do we want to squeeze in some predictions here? What are we predicting? I'm just going to quote... I'm just going to quote uh, Mr. T in Rocky Three when they ask him for prediction. He's like, prediction? Pain. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Uh, That's very appropriate. Charles, thank you for titling the pod. <laughs> yes. Yep, that's that's all I got, because right. really, that's the most appropriate way to end the show. Fuck it. Yeah, all right. Let's be done, then. And that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, gotta hit that subscribe button. Search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts, and boom! Content! It's here, baby! I'm doing a post-game on Thursday. You're all lucky that the Phillies are off on Thursday, because honestly, I'd come up with a way out of it. But I can't. They're off, so we'll be doing the post-game, and all the other shit is coming back as well for, uh, yeah, so hit subscribe. Say good words, blah, blah, blah. All right, for Kelly, for Steph, for Charlie, my name is Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah!